Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey there, welcome to Southside Online today. My name is Jeff Williams. I'm the lead pastor here at Southside and just so thankful to be able to hang out with you today and open up the Bible. Um, when I was a youth pastor, I used to do this. I'd take, uh, I'd take my Bible and I would stand in front of students and I'd hold it up in the air and I'd, I'd have them do the same because in those days you brought your Bible to church and uh, you know you did that kind of stuff. But uh, today you could hold your cell phone up in the air, I guess. But uh, I would say, this is my Bible. And they would repeat after me, and I'd say, I'd say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And today, I'm going to receive the Word of God, and when I apply it to my life, I believe I'll never be the same again. Now, I'd be a little more passionate than that, and I'd get the little uh, evangelist going inside of me, but, um, but that was always a lot of fun, and it's just a statement that I believe is a statement that I live by, and um, you know, no matter how difficult life can be, uh, I believe that God's word is a constant. And when we struggle in life, when we go through the ups and downs, the roller coaster of life, we need something that is constant. And uh, and God is that. God can be constant for you. And I think that's that's so important to the series that we're talking about, we're ending today, it's calling, calling it Follow Me, Jesus said, and it's built around Luke 9, 23, where Jesus looked at his disciples, and he said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he said, you need to deny yourself, I need you to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and then come and follow me. But Jesus was doing that because he was constant, and he knew that he would be a constant, an ever-present, constant help in their time of need. Even when he left, he would give them the Holy Spirit who would be a constant guide in their life. And so a disciple, if we want to know what a disciple is, a disciple is someone who desperately seeks to be like Jesus. That's a disciple. I want to be, a, a disciple is someone who wants to follow another. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's me following someone else. I am their disciple. And so that person that's going to be a disciple, there was no half-hearted discipleship. You were either all in or you were all out. And so a disciple is someone who desperately seeks to be like Jesus. What does that mean? It means they make his mission their mission. They make his values their values. They make his plans their plans. They go all in. And so today, I want to talk to you about what really a, what the heart of a disciple looks like. And, um, and, and, and look at it in the, in the, the description of, or the, the, the illustration of living in the world that we live in today, the constant turmoil and urgency of the life that we live in. It's kind of, to me, like a roundabout, okay? I love the new design. When they first came out, when you were driving down the road and there was a roundabout, I don't know if they have them uh, around, your pl- around your home, but they have them here, and uh, they were so weird. I was like, what's the point of this? Why not have a stop sign? And then you, it dawns on you, kind of begin to see what it's like, and it's, it's, it's a way to keep count the, the constant flow of traffic moving, 
You enter the roundabout, and whichever way you're going to turn, you're yielding to traffic. But the concept here is that probably nine times out of 10, 90% of the time, you never really stop. You may slow down, but you're always moving. I think that's probably a lot of the way life is. It's a, it's a big roundabout, and there's exits and entrance points always, but, 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 but it never slows down. It never stops moving. And so today, we're going to look at life and, and how we differentiate between the urgent and the important, because I think it's easy for us to lose sight of what is most important, because we're constant live, constantly living inside of the urgent, and so today is about our heart, and if we're going to be a true follower of Jesus, then we need to practice the right kind of heart care, and we need to learn what's important so that we can live by that, so that we're not constantly overwhelmed by the, by the urgent. And so let's define those things. Urgent means something that requires immediate attention. These are the things that shout, Now! It must be done now. You got to do it now, all right? That's the urgent. Important is different. Important means something that contributes to the overall betterment of your life. These are the things that allow us to focus. Right? You've got the now, and then you've got, oh, Daniel-san, focus. You know, you got Mr. Miyagi talking to us about focus and what that looks like, okay? A lot of people confuse the urgent and the important. Understanding the difference can make a huge impact on the quality of our life. And so the urgent puts us in a reactive mode that leads to a defensive, negative, narrowly focused mind. The important puts us in a different place. It puts us in a responsive mode that helps us remain calm, rational, and open to new opportunities. See, today we kind of live in this present shock mentality where COVID has done that, the, the, just the, the disruption of the world, the anger, the violence, the wrath, the malice. I mean, I just sometimes I want to go, can't we all just get along? But, but it just, it's just the present shock of culture where we're just kind of looking at the next great headline and the next this and the next that. And we live in such a present shock that nothing probably really shocks us anymore. But as followers of Jesus, he wants me to be driven by what is important rather than be ruled by the urgent. Jesus wants me and he wants you, if we're gonna be true disciples of him, to be driven by what is important rather than us being ruled by the urgent. The question is, how do we do that? How do we do that today? Four practical steps that kind of help us maybe get out of the urgent living and, and live by the important, but more than that, to help us kind of maybe escape the worry, the stress, the anxiety, the fear, those things that are associated with the world. What if we could find true lasting peace? In Isaiah 26, 3, the prophet Isaiah said, God keeps those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because they trust him. And so how do we find that perfect peace? Well, the Bible says it's because we keep our minds focused on God because we trust him. So if we're gonna do this, how do we make that happen? Four things today. Number one, I believe we need to learn how to give more weight to our worship than we do our worry. Say that with me. Give more weight to your worship 
than you do your worry. Give more weight to worship than you do your worry. And so that's very difficult for us to do. Number one, because we don't know how to work. Well, I take that back. We know how to worship. We just don't know how to worship God. We know how to worship because you have something that is that is that you're passionate about, that you love doing, that you love being a part of. For me, I love sports. I love all things Georgia sports. I love the Georgia Bulldogs. I love the Atlanta Braves. I love the Atlanta Hawks. I even love the Atlanta Falcons. Come on, somebody, even though they're terrible. But nevertheless, I love those things, and I can get passionate about those things. I can get passionate about watching a game, whether I'm there or I'm at home. And, and so... I can get so worked up over it that it begins to affect my demeanor and my life. If I'm not careful, what I find myself doing is worshiping that team in that moment. And so I don't want that to ever take the place of the worship that I give God. And a lot of times we'll, we'll just regulate worship to what we do on Sunday. But worship can be so much more than that. God wants us to worship him 24-7, he wants us to, to keep him on our mind constantly, and that takes effort. That takes work, that takes uh, focus. And so Jesus addresses this in Luke chapter 12, and he deals with the topic of worry, and when you look at it, you can very easily draw a line and bring a, a connection to the word worship. Look at what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, then he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry, comma, be happy, all right? Don't worry about your life. Boy, wouldn't that be great? I mean, if we just stopped right here and said, Jesus said for me not to worry about my life. Cool, cut this off, turn that off, shut the lights down, turn the video off, let's pray, it's over. Jesus said don't worry, so don't. All right, he said, I'm telling you, don't worry about your life. And then he gets specific. He gives some examples, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Now, most of us in the place where we live today don't have to worry about food or clothing or shelter. There are some people that do in our, in our community and the church needs to be focused on that and helping meet those needs. But for the most part, we have food to eat we have clothes to wear, and we have a bed to sleep in and a roof to sleep under. Now, if you have teenagers like I do who walk around complaining all the time because we have nothing to eat at home, and they want to spend money and go out, but I feel so much like my dad because I open the refrigerator, the freezer, and the pantry, and I say, look, we have plenty to eat, and they just roll their eyes and go away hungry. It's their fault if they want to be hungry, but nevertheless, they don't have to be. They may not like what they have to wear, but they have something to wear. They may not like what they get to drive or where they sleep, but they have something to sleep under and ride in. But in this day, these were problems that were very real issues. Jesus said, don't worry about your life, what you eat or your body, what you will wear. He says, for life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. In Matthew chapter four, we see Jesus live this out for us. We see Jesus fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. And at the end of that time, knowing that he is human, he is hungry, he hasn't eaten in 40 days. 
he is confronted by the devil. And the devil makes a very simple request. He says, look, he, a, simple, a simple invitation. I know you're hungry. You haven't eaten in 40 days. And I know who you are. You're the son of God, the creator of the world. Then take these stones and turn them into bread. Something that was very easily within the, the, the structure of what Jesus could do. Within the confines of his power, he could have easily taken stones and made them into bread, but he didn't. Why didn't? Was he hungry? Yes. Could he have done it? Yes. Was it God's will for him to do it? No. How do you know that? Because he knew the one that was tempting him. It wasn't an invitation. It was a temptation. And he knew the difference between the two. He chose not to live in the urgent. He instead picked what was important. And what was important was to keep his eyes, his heart, his mind, his soul, his body focused on the mission and the glory of God in his life. His focus was to be on God, the worship of God rather than the worries of life. And so he overcame the devil in that moment. God sent angels to his aid and they cared for him. They fed him, they took care of him, and they met the needs that he had. Jesus said, I'm telling you, fellas, I've lived it, I've experienced it. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. There is more to life than that. He said, consider the ravens. Consider the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable or worth more than they are? He says this. He says, can any of you add a cubit or an inch to his height by worrying? Let me testify to that, and I'll tell you no. (laughs) You know, you can't do that, all right? He says this, though. He says, if then you're not able to even do a little thing like that, why worry about the rest? He said, consider how the wildflowers grow. I saw a preacher talk about this. He said, look at the fowl of the air, consider the facts, and then look at the flowers. The birds are taken care of. The facts of life are you can't add a single inch to your height and think about the wildflowers and how they grow. They don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of them. Jesus said, if that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today, and tomorrow it withers and dies, and is thrown into a furnace, how much more will he do for you? And here's the key. You of little faith. Jesus is not blaming you, slamming you, hurting you, bashing you because you don't have enough faith. Jesus is just saying, listen, this is, I want to increase your faith. And, and if you want to live in the, in the important rather than the urgent and being ruled by the urgent, then, then I want you to learn how to give more weight to your worship than you do your worry. Corey Ten Boone, she said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. This is about having confidence in God. And the more I learn to worship, the more victory I can receive over my worry. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, God said, cast all of your cares upon me because I care for you. Jesus is saying here to us, let our worship overwhelm 
overwhelm our worry whether, rather than our worry overwhelm our worship. This is what he says. Our commitment to Jesus and his commitment to us, they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. They go together. We go together like, anyway, not to go all grease on you, but here Jesus, our commitment to Jesus and his commitment to us go hand in hand. He's already gone all in. He's saying, I'm looking for you to go all in. So what does giving weight to worship, how does it beat my worry? Well, I need his word. I need to find passages like 1 Peter 5. Philippians 4, Isaiah 26, Ephesians 2. I need passages like that in my life that I can go to, I can write down, I can have them ready. I can go to Pandora or Spotify. I can go to Apple Music. I can go to to Amazon Prime Music and I can download me and make me a playlist or a channel that I can put in AirPods, shut out the world and listen to the... Listen to things, to the word of God and the the music of God that can drown out my worry. Sometimes I've got to sing over my worry. Sometimes I've got to preach over my worry. Sometimes I have to pray over my worry. But this is what I've learned. Our commitment to Jesus and his commitment to us go hand in hand. So I dare you today. I dare you to give more weight to your worship than you do your worry. Number two, give more weight to God's promises than your problems. We give our problems massive weight and attention. What if we were to give God's promises more weight in our life than we do our problems? So I've got my playlist set up and I'm gonna listen to God's music. I'm gonna listen to worship music and I'm gonna learn how to worship, learn how to sing and drown out the voice of the enemy and the sound of worry. What if I took those passages from God's word and I just said, if you missed them, write them down. What are they? Isaiah 26, 1 Peter 5, 2 Peter 1, Philippians 4, Ephesians 2, 2 Corinthians 12. I mean, I can take passages like this in my life and I can begin to just, just take them in and they are promises that I can call on when I need them. So that when problems arise, I can give more weight to God's promises than I do my problems. Jesus keeps teaching. He said, don't keep striving for what you should eat and what you should drink and don't be anxious He's talking about food and drink. He's talking about food and clothing. He's talking about these things. But then he, he, he couples it with worry. And here he talks about it with anxiousness. Anxiety, stress. Oh, my word, have we not experienced that over the past two and a half years? Whew. Wow. We have experienced it in massive overloads. To the point where, I mean, all the computer sensors in our life are going, woo, 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 warning, warning, warning. It's just going off everywhere, and it causes us to live in this constant state of anxiety. Jesus said, I don't want you to live like this. Don't do this. He says, for the Gentile world, the Gentile world eagerly seeks all of these things. I would tell us this, the American world easily seeks these things. More toys, more things, more stuff, more accumulation, more wealth, all of this stuff. And God, and Jesus said, and your father in heaven knows that you need them. He knows what you need. 
He said, but instead, I'm gonna give you a new way to live life and a new way to approach daily living. Instead, seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom. And then these things will be provided for you. Well, what is his kingdom? Well, how do, how do I know what his kingdom is? It's found right here. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, when I read it, I receive the words of God. And when I apply it to my life, I will never be the same again. This is about finding peace over anxiety. It's kind of like you being the air traffic controller of your mind. And you get to decide what lands on your runway and when it gets to land there. Too many of us allow the wrong planes to land in our mind, on the runways of our mind, and we forget the promises of God. Jesus said, don't be afraid. He said, you're my flock of sheep. Don't be afraid. Sheep are always afraid. Jesus said, don't be afraid because your father delights. He not only knows what you need, he delights to give you the kingdom of heaven. Well, I've played the lottery all this time. I hadn't won one kingdom yet. It's because you're living for the wrong kingdom because we're giving more weight to the world than we are to heaven. See, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable. It is. It's, it's unavoidable. We're going to have stress and problems. Anxiety is going to come in our life, but the prison of anxiety is optional. There's a whole lot of people that take medication for this, and I'm not telling you that's bad. I'm not, I, I take cholesterol medication and blood pressure medication. I take medication. I'm not saying that you're taking medication is bad. But I am going to ask and, and say, where does God fit into the equation in your life? You want to get out of living in the urgent and live for the important? Give more weight to worship than you do to worry. Give more weight to God's promises than you do your problems. Give more weight to the word than we do to the world. Give more weight to the word of God than we do to the world. Look at what Jesus said. Sell your possessions. Whoa, now he's getting personal. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money. Make money bags for yourself so that, so that they won't grow old and inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. He says, listen, make money bags that go to the treasure of heaven because nobody's gonna break in and steal the treasures that we build up in heaven. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your treasure today? Is your treasure in the things of the earth? I'm gonna tell you, I'll be my treasure while I'm here. My family, I love them. My family, the people that live under my roof, my dogs, I love them dogs, and my extended family. I love the church. I love God's call on my life. I love those things, but man, I wanna live for the place that I'm going. I wanna live with a, 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 a view of eternity in mind, not past, not present, but the future. I wanna see God work and move and lead me there. I wanna build up storehouses of treasures in heaven where nobody can break in and steal. 
You see, here's what I know. You cannot create consistency without taking that first step. What's the step you gotta take today? I dare you to take it. I dare you to take it. What is it today? What is something that you know it's tugging at your heart, God is leading you to do that you know I've got to take it? You cannot create consistency in your life without taking the first step. Timothy Keller said, we don't, we don't want a king, we want a consultant in the person of Jesus who can advise us as, our, as we order our own lives. Jesus is no consultant, he's the king of kings. He doesn't come to share, he comes to take over. But when you create, when you create consistency by taking the right steps with worship, when you take that with God's promises, with the word of God, you win, the church wins, and God's kingdom wins. See, seeking God is to be a consuming priority in our life. And sadly for most, it's not. What a testimony it is to the world when a Christian dares to practice Luke 12, 34. What a shame when we don't. Luke 1, 2, 3, 4. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. See, if you want God to do something new in your life, you cannot keep doing the same old thing. So if we want to get out of the urgent and live for the important, we want God to do some heart surgery in our life. We got to give some more weight to our worship than we do our worry. Give more weight to God's promises than we do our problems. Give more weight to the word of God than we do the world. And finally, give more weight to our future rather than our failures. Jesus said, be ready. Be ready for service and have your lamps lit. Light them up, light them up, light them up, light them up. Light the candle. Be ready. Be watching for his return. Be prepared. Serve. Light your lamp and be prepared for when he comes. You've got to be like people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him at once. He said, those slaves that the master finds alert when he comes will be blessed. I assure you, he will get them ready and have them recline at the table and then come and serve them. But if he comes in the middle of the night or even near dawn and finds them alert, those slaves are blessed. But know this, if the homeowner had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house, let his house be broken into. Jesus is talking about us being prepared, being ready, being alert, not just to our surroundings, but to what he is doing. Being ready for his return, being prepared to go there, to live more for heaven than we do for here. He said, the thief is real and he's come to steal, kill and destroy. And if, you, if, if we were to know all of these things, we would be prepared for all of these moments, but God does. He says, I need you to be ready. I need you to trust me. 
my worship, my promises, my, my word. I need you to trust me for your future. Jesus said, you also be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Three questions. This chapter, it asks you to see where you are, examine where you are in the journey. So where are you in relation to these things of worry and worship, anxiety and peace, promises and problems, money, possessions, God's word versus the world, future versus failure. What do you refuse? What are you refusing to give to give up so that you can be closer to God? What are you refusing to give up? What will it take for you to trust God more than you trust the things of this world? See, today, declare your independence from the world by placing your full trust in the one who created you. Life is not about getting through it in order to get to Jesus. Life is about meeting Jesus where you are. And when that happens, anything is possible. Today, I dare you. I dare you to come back to church. I dare you to to get involved in a place where God is moving. I dare you to open up your Bible, fall on your knees, ask the God of heaven to speak to you. I dare you to give your life to Jesus. I dare you to get baptized. I dare you to take steps to grow your faith. Because when it happens, anything is possible. Let me pray for you today. Thank you for being a part of this day. If we can help you, serve you, help you grow in some way, please let us know. Contact us through the comment section here. Go to our website, go to our app. We'd love to help you grow in your faith today. Let me pray for you. Father God, would you take every person today that's listening and meet them where they are. Give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that is ready to understand and respond to what you're doing. Give them the courage to open up your word, talk to you, and get allow you to get moving in their life today. God, would you give them peace, overwhelm them with your presence, and invade their life with your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Sunday. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.